the podcast for the inquisitive diver. Hey there, dive buddies, and welcome to the show. So this week we have an amazing guest coming on the show uh, from the scuba gym, and it is Lindy Leggett. And now I met Lindy last week at Oztech and was absolutely amazed at what she is doing. Um, and without hesitation, she was super keen to jump on the show. So, Lindy, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you, Matt. Thank you for having me. This is quite an honour. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure indeed. All right. Um, well, let's um, let's start right at the beginning, Lindy. Where, how did you get into diving? Oh, wow, that far back. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a water baby all my life. I was always in the pool, underwater, playing around. And uh, once I had got out of corporate world for a break, I overlanded through Africa on a big truck with 25, 26 crazy people. It was the time of my life. It was during that time as well that I found out that scuba diving had actually become uh, achievable and affordable because it was, when I was looking into doing it, it, it was sort of a Navy SEAL kind of a thing that you, you know, you had to have a load of money or you had to be in special forces to scuba dive. Yeah. Uh, so at the time that I found out about it, it, Paddy had just made it recreational diving more accessible and was getting the word out there. So I guess we looked into it as soon as I got back from Overland. Actually, I looked into it. And um, incidentally, it was really funny because once I decided to do it, all the mates in the group, including Paul, um, we all jumped in. We all oh, did it. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. So this was a trip that you you did a, a trip with Paul Toomer? No, no, no. I, so I, I was great mates with Paul Toomer before we even got ah. into scuba when he was driving around on his motorbike across London delivering parcels for, you know, in his courier business. And then at night we, we'd go and watch him play in the band or, you know, we'd party every weekend together. He was, he's a great, great friend of mine before scuba even oh, began. Oh, bloody hell. So, mm. so you, let's, let's take it even before the uh, Overland through okay. Africa. So mm-hmm. you just mentioned you know Paul from his days in London. So yes. you were corporate in London? Yes, yes. So I lived, left home at 19 with a backpack and never came home. I actually left Johannesburg, which is which was my home. I'm yeah. Zimbabwean by birth. Um, and really weird story is when I was in my teens, the house that we moved to when we first moved to South Africa, we used to ride our bikes up and down the sandy part, sandy track. It was a shortcut that cars would take to, to cut going all the way around the highway to get around the hill, <laughs> including my mum. She would take us to school down the short, tra- the short, the short, short, tra- um, short track. And on days when we were like school holidays or uh, weekends, there was this guy who was on his motorbike scrambling up and down, <laughs> up and down this track. <laughs> You know who it is, right? Yep. Paul Tumor. <laughs> we found out years later when we met in London and we were comparing notes as to where we lived and he was like, oh, yeah, I used to go up and down this, the, you know, the little – and it was you. Well, we were the kids watching you. That's weird. Hey, That's an extremely small world. I know, right? And, well, I mean, the bond was just – it just was such – we had such fun in London, the whole crew who, who, um, who hung out together. And then when we all got into diving – it was so special because our holidays suddenly had a focus of being underwater. So we'd take all our gear, we'd go to Egypt, we'd go, you know, all over the place together. The Maldives, we just had so much fun. It was it was great, great times. Bloody hell. Really cool. So, mm. so did you get into diving before Paul? No, we got in at the same time. That's oh, what's hey. mad. So I got back from my overland and said, guys, I want to learn to dive. <laughs> and they were the same. So do we. So they went Paddy, I went BSEC. For some reason, then Paul became an instructor, and I came back to Patty yeah. because he crossed. Well, he didn't cross me over. I just retrained, and 
and got Paddy was a bigger gig, and because he had taken off with it, I was like, well, I'm hanging on with my mate. I'm going to yeah. go Paddy route now. Yeah. Um, and since since then, I've done all sorts. So, but that's that's how mad this whole thing begun. Crazy. See, now I, I got the gist that you guys knew each other, but I didn't realise it was yeah. it was that far back. Oh, we got lots of stories, <laughs> <laughs> but not for now, not for right now. Let's stick to diving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Oh, he is. He's a brilliant friend. Yeah. Okay, so you did um, London, uh, did an over trip mm. in Africa, and then what? You get back yep. to London and think, sod this conventional life. Yeah, career change. Let's no longer program computers. Let's program people. Yeah. So that was a career change into corporate training, which is where I went um, career-wise. And at the same time, decided I'm going to learn to dive. That's going to be my my thing. And uh, it certainly is my thing and has always been uh, with a little gap for having children and living in Seattle, which is pretty cold <laughs> <laughs> to dive in Seattle. So uh, anyway, uh, diving was definitely – is – to this day, my place, to my happy place, being yeah. on board. I do it almost every day, even when it's horrible outside. Sometimes I still go out to work and dive. Yeah, yeah. I don't blame you. Oh, saying that, mm. I mean, I, I cried off. I was I was almost going to get in the water yesterday. And um, was it two days two days ago? Decided, no, nah, it's not going to be a good thing. It was uh, crap conditions. We've got nothing but rain down here at the moment. It's, it's insane. Um, yeah, yeah. But anyway, digressing yeah. there. So... Mm. Hold on. So, <laughs> so we're done London. We're, we're done. Yeah. Right. Sod it. We're not going to do a conventional lifestyle anymore. We're going to do training no. people yeah, and yeah. getting paid to do it. Yeah. How do you end up in Seattle then? Ah, oh, so my husband, I got him a job at Microsoft. I was contracting at Microsoft. Yeah. And he was, he um, had moved over. We got married and he joined Microsoft. They loved what he, who he was. He's really good at what he did. And uh, then he, we got transferred. So Microsoft actually paid for us to move to Redmond, to Seattle, nice. Redmond in Seattle, which is Microsoft headquarters where we lived for three years and uh, had our first child. So oh. my my son, who's now 14, is our Captain America. He was born in Seattle. <laughs> fair one, fair one. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. How many kids have you got? You got two, three? Two. Oh, two. Two. And two of my own. And I have a bonus boy from uh, from Tim. His, his first child is 24, 25 now. So okay. he re- truly is a bonus boy. He's a... Beautiful human. Yeah. Oh, my my son's twenty five. Uh, oh I feel gosh. I feel really? old when I say that. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. He's taller than me as well. He's a, he's a unit. Lovely fella. Wow. So you got sure. one son that was born in America, and then sorry, yes. is it a son or daughter? The other one. Daughter who was born in uh, in Curl Curl in the bath. Both of them would have been water babies, <laughs> but my son opted not to. But yeah, they. See, I told you, what is my thing? Yeah. So, uh, home births, both of them. So, yeah. Bloody hell. I know, right? And they both scuba dive. That's the good thing about COVID because my daughter was 10 yeah. when we had the first lockdown. And I said, right, here you go. Get on to raid, download <laughs> the manuals and start reading, babe. And she nailed it. 10 years old. Brilliant. You. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, they both dive. And Hubby, is Hubby still working for Microsoft? Because I've got some shit that he can sort out with my Outlook. No, buddy. No, no, no. no. And take a ticket too, by the way. Uh, <laughs> we all got shit to sort out with Microsoft, don't we? Oh, it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> I'm, going great, I'm going great guns at the moment because everyone keeps talking about merch for this show and, I'm, you know, and the, and the network that's, that's, that I've got and then building. It's all constantly building and people saying, oh, you should do this, should do that. And I, I just love promoting other people's 
um, products. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to jump on the bandwagon and just do an online store and, and do some drop shipping, that kind of thing. So I'm setting all that up at the moment. And um, cool. got the got the um, the domain name, you know, for the website. And then this morning, bought an email to go with it. So it, it all matches up and it's quite nice and pretty. But of course, it goes through Outlook. So there's the stumbling block. So I've bought an email yeah. that I just have no bloody clue how to fix it at the moment. So, yeah, I'll throw the Mac out the window. That'll probably help. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, digressing. Um, Again, all okay. right. Yeah, uh, you'll find that I do a lot of tangents. That's great. Go for it. <laughs> so did Seattle, and then um, did you go from Seattle to Australia or back to London first? Yes. yes. So we came back to uh, live in Australia. Uh, my husband is an Aussie, mm-hmm. and uh, we came back to to live here with. It was, you know, grandparents, all of that stuff, and uh, an opportunity to to come back home at a good time. So we did that. Yeah. Um, and I uh, moved up. To, we moved up to the Central Coast, which is where I'm based now. And when my kids were little, and um, that's when I looked at corporate training and went, well, do you know, I've got to get on a train at six o'clock in the morning and get back at six o'clock at night with two little children who I actually don't want to leave all for all of that period of time mm. to go back into corporate world. Because I could only get gigs up at Newcastle or down in Sydney to do the work that I do yeah. um, in the corporate in the corporate space. So I had a I, we actually watched the HMS Adelaide be scuttled, and I had a little idea. Perhaps I should get back into diving. I was pretty qualified already. I, I yeah. think I'd made it to rescue diver. So um, I convinced my husband this would be a great opportunity for me to go into diving, and I walked into a couple of dive shops. One of the owners a good salesman that he is, um, he gave me a whole lot of bump about it all. And I said, if I become a dive master or instructor, would you have three or four days a week for me? And he said, oh, absolutely. So mm-hmm. I did. <laughs> and then once I qualified, I walked in and I went, right, what do you want me to do? And he looked at me and I said, well, I've qualified. Now you've got to pay me. I'm working. And he was like, oh, did he? okay. <laughs> yeah, he did. Good. He did for a while. And then winter came and he said, oh, so um, – I don't have four days for you. Maybe one because yeah. yeah, it's winter. We don't have clients. I said, what the hell? I've only just convinced this man, my husband, <laughs> that this is a good gig. So I, uh, I'll i let you in on a little secret. I actually started a company called Hullover Scrub, and I dive under boats to this day and clean them. Okay. Yeah, so Hullover Scrub. You might want to edit that scr- part out. Hullover Scrub. Hull. Yeah. I'm a Hullover Scrubber. <laughs> <laughs> And I tell my clients that you can tell your wife you've got a scrubber now, a hull of a scrubber, not just any old scrubber. <laughs> they love it. They're mostly retired up here, so they love that. Yeah. Does it, does, it, does it pay well? It does. It pays me to exercise pretty much every day that I'm not in the pool with my scuba gym clients. Um, it's not something I'm going to continue forever, but it, was, it has certainly done, done us well. Um, and it built itself up, really, from yeah. people around here just talk. So that's how... That grew. Um, that's why I'm in the water most days. Apart from today, it's filthy out there today and the wind is yeah. howling. So I just play it safe. Um, yeah. But yeah, so in just to cut to the chase, I was doing some corporate training. It was a three-day intensive leadership program that I was teaching every three or four months, parts of it, as I became qualified as the only trainer in Australia to teach this particular program. Mm. Uh, the company was is called Rapport Leadership. It was very intense training. In fact, it was the trainer that I loved how she trained was so impressive that I wanted to rise to the occasion and, and step up and, and push myself and saw this as an opportunity because it was only a, it was a well-paid gig, but I, it took a lot of learning. I mean, the script was three days long, essentially. I had to learn it by heart. Yeah. And not just a, a movie script that actors 
can learn, you know, a couple of hours worth of lines. Oh, no, this was three days. Yeah. I, can still, I can still tell you some of it off my heart. Um, anyway, as I, was, as I was going through that, it wasn't happening quick enough. The training wasn't happening every month. It was happening every three or four months. It was just taking a long time to qualify. Um, mm. I was just about there. And um, the guy who I was working for suddenly said he's gone broke. Oh, We're shit. Done. I'm like, you're kidding. Anyway, but about six months before he came to me with that, I had seen – I'd been putting it out there as I do, put it out there to the universe – um, I need more. This, I've got to be doing more with my life. I can't be waiting every three or four months to mm. get a, a training gig. This is not working for any of us. Um, and there, lo and behold, up on social media, did I see the video that David put together of the scuba gym. And I can't tell you how many times I watched it. There mm. was that many. And then I messaged him and I said, um, I love what you do. Can we do that in Australia? Or mm. can we at least have a conversation? And he said, sure, thinking, you know, she's a nutter. Someone <laughs> weird in Australia wants to do this. And I rang him. I rang him at, I don't know, it was about 10 o'clock at night, Sydney time. Mm. And uh, he answered the phone. It was a Sunday night, so it would have been Saturday morning for him. And he answered the phone. And I could hear him saying to his wife, Kim, it's Australia on the phone. <laughs> he was so excited. And uh, and we bonded and we we called each other a lot and talked and talked and talked and talked. And then um, he said, come over and, and I'll teach you what I do. Because I said, you know, what medical qualification do I need to do what you do? Um, and uh, he he said, you don't. I figured it out. Okay, let me backtrack because for those people who haven't heard of the scuba gym and how amazing David and his discoveries are about what we do underwater, um, his son became a quadriplegic at 11. So my son, when I heard about this, he was 12 when I heard about the scuba gym. Yeah. No, he was 11. He was 11. So David Jr. became a quadriplegic at 11. He had a uh, growth on his brain stem, right in the center of the brain. Mm. Life-threatening. Had to have a cutout at 11. Little kid, American yeah. football player, beautiful human, uh, just came out of the operation a quad. Wow. That would just be devastating. You've got a child. I, 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 that would just destroy any family. Mm. Yeah, this, for sure. The Lawrence family... They rose up and they did everything in their power to rehabilitate him, to make him whole again. And nothing was working. Mm. Uh, and uh, his dad knew about hyperbaric oxygen treatment. And we know that it's good for uh, burn victims. And we know that professional sportswomen and men use it. But it's very, very, very expensive. We all know that yeah. as divers. <laughs> uh, in any country, it's very expensive. So uh, David just thought outside of the box and decided, well, a pool is a hyperbaric environment. So... Why don't I just take him into the pool? So yeah. he did. Imagine that, eh? At 11, <laughs> going into a pool. This is like 12, 13 years ago. So yeah. it was fairly new, right? To take disabled people, you know, or well, not really that new, but a, a quadriplegic who's a kid. <sighs> anyway, he took him in, he started exercising him, and he did a lot of work stimulating his nervous system. And lo and behold, David Jr. now walks. So from being labeled a quadriplegic, he walks, he Holy runs, shit. he drives a car. Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I see in this video, and it reacted the same way. Holy shit! I want to do that. How do we? How do we do that? Yeah. Is that? Do I need medical training? Because if I do the, I'm not very patient. I don't think I would last at university. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just not at all. Yeah. And David said, "No, I figured it out. I learned, and I can teach you." I said, "Okay, game on. Let's do this." Yeah. Holy crap! So, the thing so, about when you've been teaching a leadership program and you've been teaching people to step out of their comfort zone and to take action and to have courage and to have conviction, you then have to do it yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's you know, the scary bit. Leader, 
<laughs> not just the trainer, but actually do it in your own life. It was like, oh, my turn. Okay, here yeah. we go. So, so I did. So what, what was his name again? Sorry, the um, founder? Da- David Lawrence. David. And when, when, did, when did David, what year was, did David set up? Uh, was when did I twenty eighteen two thousand and eight two thousand and seven okay. around about then. So he'd been, he'd been going a good ten eleven years or something like that before. Yes, yes. Yeah. So he's got a he's hasn't just helped his son; he's helped a lot of people. Yeah, because yeah. he had a he came from an IT background as well, and he knew he couldn't go back to IT. He knew he had to do this for the rest of his life. Yeah. Uh, so the benefits have been he's found also. I mean, we haven't ha- helped people to walk again. We've had stupid things like COVID happening, which have locked us out of the pool. Mm. Uh, but we've had amazing stuff happening in our scuba gym in a really relatively short space of time. That yeah. for, for me, is profound, and it keeps me going every every week back to do it. And, you know, when you have those moments of, what the hell? I've only got one person because everyone else is cancelled because they're all sick or something's happened. You go, why am I doing this? Yeah. No, you're doing a fucking marvellous thing. You really are. <laughs> You, buddy yeah i appreciate it's it it's very exciting a quadruple um amputee who's been emailing me a few times which would be hard he's an amputee how's he supposed to email me yeah. um <laughs> he sent me a message saying i've just passed my dive medical we better book a date i'm like oh this is so exciting i'm awesome. so excited I hey, know, you, right? know what I did, have- you know what i didn't ask was um a Clearly, you're, you're buddies with Paul. Are, are you doing anything yes. with Raid? A, a Raid because they they've jumped on board with um, depth therapy as well, haven't they? Yes. So um, Paul and I have to get together. So I little inside secret is I teach mostly Raid. Yeah. Um, I do a little bit of Naui, but I teach mostly Raid. I I know I'm Paddy an SSI instructor, but I actually don't continue my professional subscription to them. It costs a fortune if yeah. I had four, um, and <laughs> I actually prefer Raid to all of them, um, not because of Paul, although he has a lot of influence in my life, uh, but because of the flexibility and the teaching around it. Yeah. There's some skills that they have updated, which makes sense to me, um, and there's some that are flexible, which should be flexible, uh, whereas Paddy is this, 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 and this, and you tick boxes, and on, away you go, and SSI is very much the same. Mm. Um, now he's a very much more detailed I found course, yeah. uh, which is good, which but it's hard to get detail on a four day course. Yeah, um, even even with regard to some of the raid stuff, it, it's it's having the flexibility to be able to say, okay, we're going to come back and we're going to revisit that. You've you've the, the core skills. You're a great diver. Some of these other things that are extra, we're going to revisit in your next course. And I think that's a better approach as a trainer. Yeah. In terms of retention, people need to be able to retain the core stuff, not be overwhelmed with all of it. That's the thing. And I had mm. this, I had a very similar discussion with um, Jeffrey Glenn Chopper when he was on the show a few months back. Um, and he's, he's a, an extremely good instructor, uh, tech instructor. And the reason that he's good um, is that he's, do, he's doing more or less exactly what you're doing. And as an instructor, you develop the skills, your own teaching skills from those standards and experiences and requirements from the training agencies that you're affiliated to. You know, you, yeah. can, you can find that, that, that little gem that's really good to use in PADI and SSI and NAWI and, and RAID. Yeah. And there might all be little different gems, but that makes 
a, a better instructor and a better course for your, your student. I got, um, again, we're, we're starting to backtrack a little bit here, but um, you were just mentioning about uh, watching the videos and seeing progression with, um, with people. And um, that, that young lad that you've got up there, Zai, his video mm. is amazing. It is. And Zai makes me cry when he came to us. He's moved into inland now, but when he, he would ring me up out of the blue and say, Lindy, I can click my fingers. <laughs> I can click my fingers. He yeah. gets and he got so excited, and I was just. Well, to, uh, the, okay. to those people, yeah, to those the, just for those people who are listening, because they're not going to have a clue who Zai is. Mm. Do you mind giving us a bit of a background on his story? Sure. So Zai came to us. He was eleven, so he was our youngest uh, diver. So all of our clients we call divers because that's what they do. They dive, and Zai has hyptonia. So hyptonia, for those who don't know, is pretty unfair really i mean all illnesses are but this one is not very very nice for a little fellow it's his connective tissue isn't like ours so when he runs his arms are a bit floppy when he plays he's had he's dislocated his knee and his shoulders that many times he's had he had had seven or eight operations on his knee when he came to us mm. he had a whopping great scar that they keep opening up and so his mum said i just want to give it a go i just want to see how he it looks like this might be good for him and i said okay well um, let's let's just point out that you know you say about him uh, dislocating his knee um mm. that was simply by walking the dislocations mm. were occurring wasn't they yeah walking playing with his mates in the in the, mm. in the school grounds um so he just he just can't play like a regular kid because he hurts himself yeah yeah and because of this connective tissue problem that it, it just and the doctor said that if he doesn't get some kind of help He's going to end up in a chair by the time he's 16. Yeah. Which isn't a very nice prognosis for someone who's only just really beginning life. Exactly. And yeah. becoming a teenager. Um, so when he came to us, he came on the, f the first week and he, and he took a while to get in, as most of them do. We, our first session with any person is an hour and a half just mm -hmm. to settle them in, get them geared up, talk it all through, etc., and then get underwater and, and see how they present their diagnosis and see how they adapt and work with the exercises we give we get them to do um so he loved it afterwards yeah. he had an ice cream and he was just full of he was you know what was really special is as you know about 90 percent of the population are terrified of going underwater yeah so for somebody who's got a a diagnosis that is not very nice whether it's autism or hip, hiptonia or ms or any of them it's pretty incredible to go back into your world and say, I've been scuba diving. Mm. It, the, the lift for them is huge just to be able to say that. His brother had never done it. His brother was much older than him, and he was like, hey, I've been scuba diving. Well, hey. <laughs> and, it's, and it's cool. It's so cool. And uh, he loved it. And he had a, there was two weeks before he came back because he was coming during school. So he would come just before school. He had a 9 o'clock appointment, and then he'd shoot off to school. Um, and so there were two weeks, and then he came back. And then he went to his knee surgeon, and the knee. So he only been to us for two sessions, hmm. and the knee surgeon looked at his knee and said, "What have you been doing?" And in the video, he, his mum explains. His mum says exactly what I'm going to tell you. She said, "We've been to scuba therapy," and he said, "Well, what is that?" And she explained, and he said, "Well, you've got to keep doing it because we're not going to do his knee operation." He had seen that much change, Matt. Yeah. That much change in his knee that he put off his surgery for a year and said, "We'll wait a year and see what happens." That's amazing. It was amazing. It was amazing because then not only did his knee start healing itself, um, but then he then he rang up and he said that he could click his fingers. And then he told me that he could light one of those dreadful candles that you have to p 
pull and click. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, it's like the two, confuses two, most people. The two trigger lighter. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And he was so excited he could light the candle. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. It's that was I, and he was he's he was eleven when he came to us. He's sadly moved inland now, so he's not got access to our therapy anymore. But of course, when lockdown happened, he went backwards immediately. Yeah. They all did, which was really sad. So we're starting again. That's okay. At least we're starting again. Exactly. Um, but yeah. Uh, we have um, lots of stories, lots of stories. Yeah. And um, where, where's he gone to? You say he's gone inland. Has he gone? Somewhere near Dubbo. Oh, wow. Mm. Okay. So his mum and dad moved. Yeah, big time. Mm, mm. So there's Adam. Adam has spina bifida. Adam walks on crutches. He drives a car. He's pretty mobile. When he gets tired, he'll use his chair. And he came to us regularly, like every week once he got into it, he loved it. I think the social side of it as well helped Adam big time. Uh, He would be in his late 30s, I would, if I remember correctly. And I said to him after months of coming, Adam, what's changed for you, buddy? Come on, give me something. Mm. I need to know. Like, give me, have you had any benefit from coming other than our beautiful company? (laughs) 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 And he said, oh, oh, I can cut my food. I haven't been able to cut my food for about five years. Oh, wow. What? He goes, yeah, I can cut my food. That's pretty exciting. So. I know, right? You have to stop and think about that for a minute. Go. I'm hmm. I'm literally just thinking about, I'll I'll tell you what I'm thinking is the fact that these guys and ladies are in water and that weightlessness is just giving them the freedom to be able to move the limbs that, would probably get injured or cause some sort of injury. That's the the water helps absolutely. Uh, so for those who are mobile, the exercises we get them to do yeah. are disguised as fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a we have a lot of fun. Of course, there's kettlebells and of course there's dumbbells and there's stuff that we would expect in a gym. Yeah. But there's a lot of fun that we have underwater, and if you hide the fact that there's something clever going on in the background with mm. a bit of fun, then magic happens, I'm telling you. Yeah. Magic happens. And the, what's really cool about the results that we've we've had is that we didn't expect them. Like, you want someone to walk again. But when somebody tell, when Adam said, I've cut my food, I had no idea that he couldn't cut his food. Yeah. So for him to tell me that was huge. It was massive. And then Megan with the cat jumping on her lap and suddenly she's stroking it. She hasn't been able to stroke a cat for three or four years. Now the cat, now she's stroking the cat and she just looks at her carer and says, you've got to phone Lindy a video of this and send her the video. I'm stroking my cat. And, and Megan is the lady that's in a wheelchair? She's the lady with MS. There's a yeah. lovely story about Megan and how her lung function improved um, just from what we do with her underwater. So her physio gave her a spirometer. Mm-hmm. A spirometer, you've got to suck and it lifts the balls. There's three balls in three different tubes. And depending on how strong your lungs are, mm-hmm. uh, you can usually get three balls up in the air. She couldn't even get one in the air when she first started. Wow. Not one. Yeah. So she would talk, 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 and then stop and breathe and then carry on. So mid-sentence. Oh, uh, so she'd, she'd, she'd kind of run out, run out of breath. Just she would run talking. out of breath and, she, and her voice was softer. Yeah. So as soon as she started working out with us, you could hear her improving just by the way she spoke. Yeah, you could just hear she had more presence. She had a you know she had a fuller lung capacity, mm. which just that in itself, Matt. Like if you're getting more oxygen in your body, yeah. stuff's going to happen. A hundred percent. There's no way around yeah. it. Yeah. So and for her, it meant she got 
every time she came, she got out of her chair and now she's walking. I know she's not walking. So she's got MS. She, for those people who don't know the story, Megan has multiple sclerosis and has a lesion on her spine up on around the C3, C4 area on the spine, mm-hmm. which makes her an, a quadriplegic. She has minimal, tiny bit of movement in her left hand only and a frozen shoulder. Her left shoulder is frozen. So her right arm isn't frozen. So we can, we can move it around, but she can't. Okay. She has, she had very minimal movement in her right side. Um, her left side, she had, she could tap numbers on her phone. Okay. Um, but she couldn't put her hand to her mouth. Right. Um, and her shoulder being frozen, she couldn't move that either. So, and MS is, as we know, there's no cure for it. Yeah. But what we did find, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Everyone's waiting to hear what I'm going to say. <laughs> We used to, we got her to do a whole bunch of exercises and we got her, so we walked her legs, we moved her underwater. So from sitting all day in a chair, Mm -hmm. from having three carers around her, two of whom had to hold her in place while they dressed her or got her sitting on her bed. They had to hold her to sit on her bed. After working with us, she was holding herself up by herself. (laughs) So that means her core had kicked in. Yeah. Right? So all of her core had now kicked in and... Well, hello, that's massive in itself. <laughs> Never mind the lung function that's now working as well. There were other things I'm not going to say, but there were, one pretty cool thing was the cat. Yeah. The cat. So we got her to do press-ups. It, this took time, right? It's not overnight. We got her doing press-ups on kettlebells. So we have heavy kettlebells and we hold her feet and she has to do the work with a little bit of help, but she does the work. And that combined with moving her hands up a, a hockey stick. Okay. Because we play with the autistic people underwater with hockey sticks and all sorts of fun stuff. And so we use these props for everyone. And she was doing this really hard work to get it up. Mm. And I gave her a squishy, um, like those brain balls that squeeze. Uh-huh. So, of course, it's squishy and, and they float. And I had her just to work the dexterity in her hands and to get the muscles moving from one to the other. She was putting the ball from one hand into the other one hand into the other by herself. I'm standing behind a camera filming this. The video is on the YouTube, our YouTube channel, so people can see it for themselves. Yeah. Um, she let go of the ball, yeah. and the ball rolled up her chest, and she automatically caught it. <laughs> she's a quadriplegic, man. She's <laughs> not supposed to be able to do that. Like, she's not... That she's a quadriplegic. How is that? Has, how, how did she catch the ball? One, she wasn't even looking. It was like a natural reaction that you or I would have done because yeah. we're able-bodied. It was just an instant grab. She did exactly that, which tells me, which tells everyone, if you're paying attention, the neuro, the nervous system is so complex, no one knows really what's going on in it. Yeah. And when he, her professor heard, who is her neurologist, I actually met him um, through COVID. It was, it's a weird story, but I actually met him and I said to him after the appointment, uh, my son happened to go and see him. He's, um, it's quite actually, it's a funny story, so I'll tell you. Lockdown did my son's knee in. He sat playing Xbox weird on his chair for so long that he got drop foot at 12 or 13. 13 year olds are not supposed to have drop foot. That's like an old age, old person. What, what the hell is drop foot? So he could, when he walked, he couldn't lift his foot up. So he, it was his left foot. So he could move it left, right, yeah. down, but he couldn't lift it up. So he would drag it. Huh? Going, uh, okay. What the hell is wrong with your foot? Why aren't you lifting it up? So, all sorts of people went to see, all sorts of x-rays. Eventually, we get in to see Professor Hurd, who's a neurologist, and he jabs him in the knee and goes, yep, you got drop foot. Yeah. It'll come back now. Don't worry. We've got to just exercise. And so, and then, 
funny, at the end of the appointment, I said, Professor Hurd, I'm, I'm Lindy. I'm from the scuba gym. Your clients are my clients. We've got a few in common. Mm. And he looked at me. Of course, it was the days when we had to wear masks. And yeah. he kind of went, whatever you're doing, keep doing it because it's working. This is the professor of neurology yeah. telling me that. I, thanks. Did everyone hear that? So why, 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 isn't, why isn't there so many other places that are doing this as well then? Good question. You know, it's out of the box, Matt. It is, out of, it is out of the box, but surely they've been using, you know, a, aquatic kind of therapy. Well, they, the, the, I go, not the trick, but the, what David did was say, okay, let's just use the gear. Yeah. So we have a, so people ask, uh, it's diving, uh, surely I need a medical. Oh, absolutely you do. Hmm. Of course you need a medical. You're coming into the pool. If you're having seizures, we absolutely need to know that before we let you in the pool. Yeah. And you all have to have a doctor sign you off too, just by the way. So not everyone will need a doctor to sign them off. We have hmm. a, a dive medical that is all approved. We have our own dive doctor who is based in Erina. And he, if I need to refer anyone on or if I need to ask him questions, he has said to me, call me, email me, ask anything. Just yeah. That's how cool this guy is. He's a wonderful man. Um, and so if I need help, or, and that's, he's amazing, amazing guy. Uh, specifically trained dive doctor. Um, some people will go off and see their own doctors and get signed off. Um, so there is a, a dive medical. Where was I going with this? I can't remember what we were talking about. Well, um, why other um, oh, that's right. that's entities right. so, aren't doing this? So because it's taking, it's using scuba gear. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. And so they, yeah. So aqua aerobics yeah. as a, you know. Yeah. yeah. Hi, okay. It's hydrotherapy on steroids as one of my physio uh, team members said to me once. This yeah. is this is high, hydrotherapy on steroids. Yeah, and the and because it's combining two things: one, scuba gear. So that it, we don't teach them to dive. We give them the rundown. Yeah. We give them the we have the conversation about. So you can't move your arms. So we get to watch you, and we get to dive for you. So we get to do a few signals. If you want to go up, you move your eyes up or your head. Yeah. So communication is very limited, as you know. Mm -hmm. It's even worse when you've got people who can't give you hand signals. Yeah, yeah. What's... And go on. Uh, and those people who need to have someone staring at them all the time that, that that we are underwater. So if I'm working on their legs or their or their arms, or usually it's their legs and feet that I work on, mm. I have to know that the team person, say you, for example, if you came to help me, mm. are watching them like a hawk to make sure that regulator stays in. Yeah. Or if they've got a full face mask and they've got cerebral palsy like our client Jess, that 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 full face mask doesn't leak. Yeah. Because yeah. it's black. So we can't tell we can't she can't signal to us other than look up. Yeah. I want to go up and then we've got to rip that thing off real quick if it is leaking. Now that's never happened, touch wood it never does. But these are all things we've got to consider. Yeah. And that's why I, I, well, it could be one of the reasons why people haven't done it before. They haven't put two and two together like David did. Hang on, hyperbaric. Yeah. Let's chuck them in the water and and then let's combine a few things. Let's stimulate the nerves. Let's, let's exercise them. Let's, so I have a, come back from an accelerated learning background as well. Personal development for me was always a big thing in my life. I always ask big questions of the world. Mm. And one of the gigs that I did was working overseas in the UK when I lived there. I taught kids accelerated learning skills. So it's not teaching them as in school, but although we went into schools, we would teach them a program in schools that taught them about their brain and how the left and the right side talks to each other. And some of those techniques I use underwater. Okay. Because why not? Especially with the cognitive people. Yeah. So we, like juggling. 
it's so cool to juggle underwater because <laughs> the balls take so long to come down. You can really get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even the game of noughts and crosses on a slate. Yeah. That's not even accelerated learning, but it's still fun to play with some of our autism clients because they love it. Yeah. That's like deco it's stuff. stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What you do on deco. Yeah. So yeah. Um, just, just going back to the medical side of things, mm. um, uh, first thing I, that popped into mind there as well was that the possibilities that uh, not many people are using scuba diving in therapy is that they're just under the assumption that it's too dangerous and can't do it. Correct. Yeah. Um, it's a so, high-risk sport. So well, well so done what, for ignoring that hurdle and just getting on with it. Uh, it was David. I followed his lead. I'm yeah. you know, sitting on the shoulders of giants, to be honest. He he went to Naui because um, we have to be Naui certified instructors to run um, scuba gym here. Okay. And he went to Naui and worked with them. Uh, that's who he had trained with already, so he already was in the Naui system. But Naui, because of the results he got with his son, they listened. Yeah, and then he then so then he set up the processes. He's, we've got agreements with Naui in place that um, allow us to do what we do, um, plus agreements with dive doctors and the red tape in Australia is insane. Um, so I found a way through, and here we are. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Uh, do, um, I'm just trying to wrap my brain around everything we've just spoken about. It's insane. In it's a good a lot, way. Right? In, in a good way. It's a great good. way. Yeah. Good. I can tell you some more stories if you while you're wrapping your head around it. Um. Well, what what about the equipment? I mean, you've you just mentioned, or we've just spoken about, you know, the hazards, especially with the regulator. Do you use mm -hmm. uh, necklaces or just just standard no. regulator? Standard regulator, or we have um, a full face mask that I use only. Only if my cerebral palsy clients really can't keep that rig in. Mm. So the thing about what we do is we're always pushing people to improve the mind and body. Um, and if you get your mind on board, the body will come along to the party, yeah. as we've seen so many times. Um, and dare I bring the, the idea of walking on fire as an example. Mm. You get convinced your mind you're not going to burn your feet, and you won't. I know because I've done it several times. Yeah. So if you get people underwater to believe that they can put their hands flat when they are like this, mm. they they will eventually. Yeah. And that's what we've found by just keep constantly pushing them. So the full face mask is great for those who are new, who need to use it, but we really want to get them on a regulator because then we get them using their jaw yeah. and biting and not going back to the old ways. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So do you get... Um do, do physios and stuff like that refer their clients to you, or is they it do? People? Okay, they they do. Um, we have had um, interest from physios. We have had a gentleman who came to help us. One of so I mentioned our team are incredible. I couldn't do what I do without the help of the volunteers who are all qualified divers who come to help. And if mm. they're not qualified, they are on deck and they are first aid trained. Um, so we have. So that in itself is pretty special um, mm. to have physios come and say, I'm a diver and I'd love to help. And then to go, oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah, we could, there's plenty to do here. Mm. Um, one of the friends who's a, who's a physio from, she qualified in Holland. Her qualification, because this is Australia. Um, sorry, you can <laughs> cut that out. 
<laughs> she she wasn't allowed to practice yeah. without requalifying to some crazy degree. So I said, well, what if I teach you to dive? Will you come and be underwater with us? And she said, yeah, hell yeah. yeah. So she's she's been helping us underwater as a physio, and I have taught her to dive. And it's amazing because then she brings her stuff to the, to the party as well, which is extra, which is brilliant. Yeah. Um, but we have had physios in the past um, and up in Newcastle wanting us to run – programs up there it's just a it's just a matter of getting enough clients for us to travel up the road to get to newcastle yeah the logistics i suppose what's it what's the what's that lady's name the physio that's oh, helping there's several oh, okay oh um here from holland is yeah. mika mika, mika yeah shout out shout out to mika um yeah, big time. <laughs> um wow so yeah you set up in 2019 2018 we started in um, in April 2019, actually in the pool. So okay. I went over to the US as it turned out. I had one last trip out there and uh, with the leadership training on our tag time on the end to go and see David and his family, meet Junior and meet the Naui team, meet all the people, just be in the water, be mm. in the scuba gym in energy mm. and absorb as much as I could while I was there. And it was amazing. It was a great, great time. It was fabulous to be able to give all of the family a big hug and thank Junior for taking one huge hit for the team because he's done, he's, I mean, because of what he's happened to him, he's changed the lives of everyone through his mum and dad's work. So yeah. it's incredible. Yeah. There's so many people who've benefited from this um, and will continue to because of, you know, people like me who are crazy to go out and continue this <laughs> stuff. That's <laughs> uh, good. Yeah. It um, is. Yeah. I mean, there's one thing that we haven't pointed out yet as well is that, uh, um, you know, we, we try to, get this recording done and, and and aired for Monday just gone but because uh, it was um, Mental Health Awareness Day uh, but mm. the, the the mental health of, of your clients, divers, buddies uh, must be yeah. remarkable. It is and just on that note we've actually just used this last lockdown time to put together a scuba warrior program mm -hmm. um, so that is specifically for people with anxiety or post-traumatic stress and uh, it's not a disorder it's just post-traumatic stress it's a different approach to dealing with it that yeah. we've taken on and um, it, it's only well it's because I know people with post-traumatic stress I live have experienced being um, a child of a veteran um, my dad never came home with PTSD, but my uncle did, and it was, it was in my face until I understood really what was going on, and that was only not that long ago. I was like, "Wow, no wonder poor Uncle Ral was grumpy yeah. <laughs> when we were kids, and we never move, never move anything out of place because he would lose it." And now I know why he had not. He's had nightmares every night. He was ambushed, so my uncle was ambushed. Mm. I don't know if I told you the story at Aztec. No. And his jaw was almost entirely blown off. So Zimbabwean, it was through the Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe war. My dad served as a military policeman and my uncle served as well in a different, um, different area. Mm. And Uncle Rao's jaw was almost blown off. His voice box was shattered. The doctor said he would never speak again. He said, he's written up a, a story about it. And he said in his story that he was holding his jaw in place as they were putting him on a stretcher and loading him into a helicopter. And he was saying prayers. Jesus. Like, that's, he had nothing left. That's yeah. holding his jaw in place, covered in blood, yeah. throat. Oh, God. I remember seeing him. He had, you know, that in like Platoon and those sorts of movies where they've just got a hole here and around their throat yeah. for the voice box. 
and everything else is bandaged up, the whole throat is bandaged up. Yeah. Um, and he couldn't speak. He was writing in hospital. I remember seeing him and he was, he, he was writing. And my two cousins, his two boys, gosh, they were, they were young when that happened. That was in 1977 on the 23rd of November, 1977. That's when that happened. Mm. Um, and sadly, the point about the reason I tell you the story is because trauma doesn't just affect uh, the person who it has happened to, mm-hmm. it affects the whole family. Yeah. And people don't understand that. A lot of people don't know, especially Australians, because they've never had a war on their own land. They've yeah. always gone off to war to other countries. We've never had one here. So people, do, it's not in their face enough to understand um, how our veterans and these people who serve suffer and struggle and how it affects the, their whole um, tribe, their group, their family. Uh, the ripple in the pond is amazing. To prove that, my uncle's, as I said, his ambush happened, his accident, they call it, happened on the 23rd of November, 1977. Fast forward 15 years to the exact day. Mm-hmm. His oldest son, Lee, had a horrific car crash and died Holy on shit. the exact day of Uncle Rao's accident. Yeah. There's, Matt, there's 365 days in the year. How is it possible? Yeah. How is, come on. The whole family was traumatized by that one day because of what happened to Rao. So it doesn't get, it doesn't end there. Uh, his youngest son, Trevor, my youngest cousin, mm-hmm. he had a horrific co- uh, motorbike accident last year on the 24th of November, the day after. Yeah. He's still alive, thank God, but he broke his back. Jesus. <laughs> so, so come on, like, that's so, so crazy. Every, that's, that's, that's a really shit week. Well, a shit two days for everybody in the family every year then. Everyone. And, yeah. Can you imagine how Raul and, and his wife, Kay, my aunt, felt when Trevor had his accident? Like, mm. holy, this is second son now, day after. This is ridiculous. So we, so we are so grateful Trevor's still with us mm. um, and, and able to walk. He's, managed, he's walking again. His knee was shattered um, and, yeah, he damaged his back. So horrible. And so trauma affects the whole family. Yeah. I get that. Totally do. Understand why Raul was grumpy was when we were kids and perhaps why their relationship with his sons wasn't crash hot because my God, it was never treated in those days. It was called shell shock and you just get on with it. You'll be right, mate. Yeah. No, 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 no. So our scuba warrior program, we honor the, the service. We honor the person. You're not a number when you come to us, you don't have to talk just if you can, you know, come, we'll teach you to dive. We'll go diving. We'll even do missions and, and make it a bit special. It's more about the tribe and becoming part of a tribe and be finding a place where you want to be and, and being able to, you know, apply that to life. Yeah. If you can dive, for yeah. most people, you can do anything because everyone's terrified of diving. What if there's a shark? <laughs> Get your camera out. Yeah. <laughs> Take a photo. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head there as well, as well particularly when it comes to PTSD and, and, and military personnel. I mean, I've, I've got 17 years service in the UK forces and thank you for thing, your service. That's ah, all right. It was it was great fun. Um, but the, <laughs> the thing that that you miss when you leave is the camaraderie. You always keep in touch mm-hmm. with the people that you were close to in the military, but that actual feeling of uh, being part of a community isn't really the same in yeah. anything else you ever do in in life. Yeah. And the closest yeah. thing I've found to it is scuba diving. Yeah. And, and not that it was, we can compare what you went through, but I would say the same applied when I overlanded. The group of friends, 
no one actually could understand and still don't because it was a bit vague sometimes. Some of the stories <laughs> that we tell from our homeland. <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, that camaraderie. I mean, the friends that I have from that trip are just, they will be with me forever. You know, those sorts of people, I don't have to see them. I haven't seen some of them for 20 years, but I can pick up the phone and they're there. Yeah. Just that, that's pretty special in life to have that sort of a connection with a group or, you know, a few people. So if we can create an environment where people can come and it's not about, I don't, I don't sell gear. Um, I'm not here to make pots of cash off you. I want us to do stuff that pays it forward that we can, you know, help out other people. And if you come, you can, you can become a volunteer at the scuba gym and help disabled people because I promise you, it's not just the clients who are disabled who get something out of coming to scuba gym. Mm. Um, one of my, volunteers is a very very bright bunny he's an engineer and he said to me not long ago can't tell you how scary this this was i said what do you mean you're a qualified diver you've dived all over the world doing all sorts of crazy shit and you're telling me this is he says i'm not good with people this is it's really confronting to having to lift people onto a a hoist and be almost in their faces but it's amazing to be here and be a part of it yeah so he got something quite special that i hadn't even really considered um, not that I expect everyone to be weird and crazy a little bit like me, but just, you know, if you're a diver, there's something about your, your outlook on, on life and, mm. and being able to step out of your comfort zone. Cause we all do it. That's what diving is for a lot of people. It's mm. just going into a whole different comfort zone. Um, one that is particularly scary for others, but for us, so technical diving for me, I, there was a time where I did that, um, I would love to do cave diving, but it's not right up on my list of things to do. There's other places. I would love to go up and see up to the Barrier Reef with you guys in November and see the coral spawning. That, that for me, is just magical. Yeah. And that's the diving I love is the magic side of it all. Um, and I'm sure there's magic down at 100 meters. I'm sure Paul will tell me there is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not in a hurry at the moment to go down and see it. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Mm. And I suppose um, you know your your focus isn't really on the the individuals that are there and volunteering, and you know just picking up on what you said there about not recognising the the benefits that they got, because you're trying to do everything for that individual that's come for the help. So you don't yeah. necessarily see what's going on outside of that yeah. environment either, yeah. do you? No. Um, and one of my team, <laughs> another team member, messaged me and said, "Hi, I'm local." I actually have post-traumatic stress, but I'm actually a dive instructor mm. and I just want to get back in the water because of the PTSD. I just want, is it okay if I come and dive with you at the pool when you're doing? And I'm like, yeah, mate. Are you kidding? Absolutely. <laughs> Pull in. What do you need? You know, to have it just, it just ticked a lot of boxes and he's become a really good friend. Great. It's just amazing. So, you know, he, he loved it because their focus is not on them. You're diving for other people and mm. watching and you're giving and there's a different, there's a synergy and an energy that I can't explain until you've been underwater with these people and got involved. Yeah. And I think that's, oh, I'm going to not go unicorns and fairies just yet, but that's the holistic view that I, I wish that more people understood and bought into because it's so powerful to be yeah. a part of that journey of helping somebody to heal and to rehabilitate or to learn the uh, high five scuba dive um high five that we've got our, once some of our autistic clients they just absolutely love it and just to see the joy that mm. is that's what uh, that's what it's about for me i'm gonna start crying soon that's all right i, th I think it, refo <laughs> it refocuses as well i mean you, you 
you know, like you say, not doing the unicorns and fairies, but mm. you look at everyday life now, especially, you know, in the cities, Sydney, Newcastle, everyone's running around, everyone's busy, you know, the focus is on the phone or the computer or work and the stresses and that continual grind. And just getting into the pool and helping someone who is effectively helpless and yes. seeing a huge benefit is in itself a huge benefit to the people that are actually experiencing it away from the environment of what we're doing now, looking through TV screens all the time. Oh, 100%. And that's the, the magic that we find out. I mean, just having people with anxiety who come and learn to dive, push themselves sat underwater blowing bubbles just to calm down. And now, you know, dear friends who, who are there in a heartbeat who want to help. Yeah. It's just an amazing transformation to watch. And actually, I find it a bit of an honor to be in that position, to be able to witness change in, in people, uh, whether it's very physical, whether it's, you know, more cognitive mental stuff or being able to help. I, I'm not sure if you saw the video that we put together of the cleanup we did not long ago. And my beautiful friend, Sylvie, who does a lot of our videos, she's an amazing friend, an amazing asset to the two, the scuba gym team because she's a professional cinematographer mm. and her work is outstanding. But to be able to give her the opportunity of coming onto this amazing boat that again was gifted to us by the gentleman who's who said to me, let me help, this is what I got. And I was like, wow, well, we're going to take veterans. Can we test run it and get Sylvie to come? And, and she was, she just, to be able to sit on, a, on this beautiful boat and cruise around our waterways and jump in the water and clean up a bit and make videos, for her was just a gift. Hold on so, a moment, you've got a boat. No, 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 it's not ours. Oh. It was gifted. It was actually, it's a gentleman. Dude, if I, I had a boat, I was come on. Come on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, he he's actually one of my boat clients, and he said to me, um, do I know any free divers? I was sitting on the marina getting ready to, to head off home, and I said, "What do you? why do you want free divers? And he said, oh, I've got this boat. I really want to use it. I want to take free divers out. I said, what about scuba divers? Hello? I'm mm. in my wetsuit. Like, hello? Mm. And he said, oh. And so I explained about my – actually, if you if you are willing to let us use your boat and you drive us places – I have my Scuba Warrior program, which this could be a fantastic synergy of services. They all, you know, we'll take the veterans. They'll have a fabulous day on your boat. We'll yep. go diving. We'll clean up the ocean or we'll, you know, go look for starfishes or go and find what our uh, marine biologist friends want us to find because they're professors at the university and they're looking for particular seahorses. Mm -hmm. We'll go find them, you know, whatever it takes just to keep the the focus and the missions out there for our scuba warriors, but also to pay it forward to make sure that we are um, contributing to a bigger picture. That's what it's about. And and David said, yeah, let's do it. T let's take my boat. That's awesome. Oh, amazing to be, you know, just, it's just when you're gifted stuff like that, it's, it's pretty special. Yeah. How big is the boat? How many, how many people can he take? Uh, we had with gear, it's uh, it's a bit of a cruise boat, so it's a beautiful boat, cruise yeah. boat. We had two divers, two camera people, and him, so there were six of us. Okay. Um, and I would say we could probably fit another two more divers. I would say four divers with tanks and all the gear would probably be enough for the back of his boat to handle. Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine six veterans on the back of a boat having a, a few 
Good dives. Beers. And then beers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. Dives first before the beers. Hell yeah. For everyone listening. I'm sorry. I did it the wrong way around. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, it, it just be life changing, which is really what it's about for me. Yeah. You know, to be able to have, uh, to provide an opportunity to help people change their lives. That's pretty cool. So, how many, how many veterans have you got? Uh, we've got, a, well, we've got a handful at the moment, literally a handful. We're just about mm. to run our next warrior program. Unfortunately, we haven't had great weather, as you well know, yeah. which really puts a damn note on the diving industry and has done for the last couple of years. But this last year has been horrendous for diving. Last year was fabulous. We had the best August. In fact, we were grateful for lockdown because we got to do recreational diving without taking students anyway. Mm. It was great. And the, what we saw was Unreal, just up here at the Haven in Terrigal was mm-hmm. unreal. Um, but this year has been absolutely miserable. We haven't really had the same. Having said that, we did see six gray nurses just amazing on our first pilot course. It was the Scuba Warrior pilot course we had. We don't get to see gray nurses, maybe one once a year yeah. if we're lucky at the Haven. We had six, six wow. of them cruising around us for four open water dives. Nice. Yeah, it was it was unreal, and we had um, we had so we had mum and son and dad and son and a couple other veterans um, on it, and it was very special for them because they were with their the child, and the child would be you know early twenties, so I'm not talking a kid, hmm. but just to have that bond and have that time, the magic time together of seeing sharks and beautiful sharks and being in this very special place was hmm. was amazing. So it was really good bonding for everyone particularly those um, veterans who had signed up with their kids. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, I wanted to also expand on, we had a very brief chat about the veterans last week. Yes. Um, and you asked me about doing trips, expeditions. Yes. Not just our veterans, please, Matt, if we mm. could do. Um, so for me, for me, the bigger picture is to get scuba gym running across Australia. I think that we need disabilities, need the disability sector could do with a scuba gym in all big cities um, up and running. That would be awesome. But then we don't just want to keep people coming to therapy. We want to help those people who are taking the plunge and learning to dive mm. to actually go and travel. And mm-hmm. when you said to me, you run a scuba travel business, I just got very excited <laughs> and said, what about disabilities? And uh, let's, can we put trips together? So we're very good friends with uh, Wheelie Campers. So they are based up in Queensland and they have great big campers, camper vans that are specifically decked out for disabled people. So they can get their chairs in, they can go, you know, cruising around Australia in a camper, oh, wow. which is fabulous. And if we could do the same sort of thing with scuba, I'm not suggesting we get a camper, but I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, if we had dive trips that we could take people to see some amazing stuff where we know that at the other end we've got a boat that we can use that can take a wheelchair because mm. not all boats can and That's, it's very yeah. tricky to find you know sometimes it's tricky to find boats or people or outfits or um, people out there who are willing to allow us to come on board and, and with a wheelchair or with an amputee or you know somebody yeah. with a, something like that so that would be cool if we could you know, work towards some uh, a trip like that. That would be awesome. I've got mm. a little plan in mind already. Okay. Um, not to go anywhere, but to help our autistic 
um, clients who are not qualified to dive, but they are my clients and we have worked with them for months and months. Um, I have a connection at the, I don't know if I should tell you this actually, because this is a bit special. <laughs> Well, I have to chop well, this piece out. All right. All right. Well, you can, you can <laughs> tell you me. Can choose to put it in. I'll tell you. I um, have bonded with the Sydney Aquarium, and my plan is to get them to, when they open up their tank dives again, is to be allowed with my those of the few that I would recommend um, of my autistic clients to do a tank dive so they get to experience what it's like to dive with sharks. Okay. In Sydney Aquarium. All right. And the problem with that is you have to be a qualified diver and there's a few red, bit of red tape to, to cut through, but we're on our way, put it that way, and they haven't opened them up just yet. So, Hey, couldn't you um, have a look at the IOS um, scheme or system for training? Is there a way of manipulating that so that you can qualify people? I love manipulating. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. Could you yeah. manipulate the training so that you're qualifying disabled people I'm, as a diver uh some so some of my clients can qualify um so that's different but the people who choose who i just want to make this like a special end of year thing mm. um hoping that they will let us do it with the with my team rather mm. than their team mm. um because my team have worked with these people day in and day out and i would i would be happy to have a guide with us who's with the aquarium yeah and but if we could lead it, so to speak, or run it, yeah, that just would, one that day would, that would make sense. Just one day that would because they quali- they're not qualified, but they're they signed off to dive down to you know between two and four meters. That's yeah. as deep as as our dive doctor and the pools are. So um, so that's what I'm thinking. And we know, particularly me, know how to cope with those who may well freak out. Yeah. Because we don't know how they're going to react. Some yeah. might chase after them. That's certainly <laughs> something I would love to do. <laughs> Grab their fin. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's just because of all the time I've spent with them, I think this, you know, if I have to go and do five or six tank dives, I'm happy to. Yeah. Now, that just would be to awesome. Just give them that experience. It would be amazing. They'd hey, yeah. just be on fire for, for months. Yeah. Just you just end up with, you know, going, going back home in the evening in your wheelchair. Oh, what have you done today? Oh, yeah, just jumped in a tank with a bunch of sharks. You know, yeah. how, how many people could say that? Especially if you're in a wheelchair. Yeah. I mean, really, yeah. And what would be super cool, when I did a tank dive in uh, Cape Town Aquarium, as soon as we got in and went down, all the tourists who were in the muse- in the aquarium watching the fishes rushed to the, <laughs> to the glass and took photos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it would be amazing to have, to have someone from the press perhaps there to go, wow, look at these amazing people. That would, you know, yeah. They've got disabilities, all the cognitive or physical, and here they are diving with sharks. Well, you, um, if, you, if, if it comes off, let me know because I'll rock up and bring the microphones and take the piss and, and ask some silly questions. Will. Yeah. I absolutely will, Matt. Don't no, you worry. That would be good. Yeah. Um, Maybe you'll come in with us. Oh, you never know. Uh, I don't know. I'm not a massive fan of aquariums, which clearly no, not many I'm, of us are. But I can I'm see, yeah, I can see the relevance, and the, and the, the I, I think this is them. the yeah, this is the only time I would actually agree with an aquarium, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, back to the trips. 
Um, oh, sorry. Yes. I was trying. I was trying to think of when you were t- asking about it and talking about it. I, I was trying to think of locations that would be able to accommodate wheelchairs, and I think that's the difficult bit. I can understand. I can think of a lot of places that we could take people who were amputees, but yes. it's the wheelchairs that's the difficulty. We can. We'll, we can adapt. Yeah. Um, certainly, there's ways that we can. We can take uh, things and delocks and all sorts of things to clip them into place. It's yeah. just being getting them in and out of the water and, and having the expertise. It might mean a few of my team will have to come. Yeah, uh, what a shame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, it just changes, I think, it changes the way we have holidays. So just like we've, I've done amazing dives, as I'm sure you have, and mm. I, long will that continue? But just to be able to give other people that, feeling of and experience of even if it's work for us mm. doesn't matter yeah. it's it's just amazing for them and yeah. you know what there's a whole sort of a lot of chemicals in your body that when they are fired off whether it's not adrenaline because you've seen a shark whether it's just oxytocin or dopamine or whatever it is that all helps yeah. Those are the drugs that help, the ones that your body fires off automatically from having these amazing experiences. And that's, I reckon, what helps with the healing. Yeah. Um, it's just a personal opinion, just to be in that different space and out of the, the usual headspace and in the excitement of going on a holiday and then the adventure of going on a dive holiday for the first time ever. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, I, yeah. We're going to have to do a lot of uh, looking at locations and see if this can work. I have a contact who we can speak to about where he's been. He's in the chair as well, has been for mm-hmm. 40 years. Bob Statton, you may know him. He would know okay. where there's some good spots we could start off with. Yeah. Um, it's also about, yeah, finding the boat. We could So one of the, the guy who we use for our other cleanups when we are using a barge, clean for shore, mm-hmm. Jono, he, that barge we could easily get a chair on and lock it into place. The problem with what we do with the with the barge and clean foreshore is not really designed for <laughs> disabled <laughs> divers to clean up because it's sometimes you can't see hands in front of your face. Other times it's just uh, dangerous yeah. um, and dangerous for disabled, not necessarily for us uh, able body, but able body can get out of a situation quickly. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, we need to find a boat overseas that, well, would be happy for us to, or even a shore dive. We can take mm. a chair that goes in the sand, you know, do some cool shore dives somewhere. Do you reckon you could get the, do you reckon you could get to Koh Tao in Thailand? I reckon. It's a bit of a, you know, you've got to get on a ferry to get across from the mainland. And there's so many resorts there that are beachfront. And if you've got wheelchairs that go over beaches, Sari Beach is just, very easy to get into and go and dive at the front there cool yeah so easy i love thai food as well yeah (laughs) excuse me there's there's actually i've I've got to say uh, i'm thinking of uh, jim donaldson now who's who's one of the owners of of big blue i used to work at big blue a few years ago Mm -hmm. um now he's just relocated um and refurbished an amazing pool area and it's like 40 meters from the beach and the runoff oh, wow. getting down to the beach there's no steps going down to the beach it's all ramp and then onto the sand um and i don't know if you've ever heard about the diving at koh tao it's it's not insane currents all that kind of stuff it's 20 30 meter visibility in the 
best part of most of the year. Um, wow. But the, the reason I mentioned Big Blue, not just because I'm part of the Big Blue family, but um, Jim is massively passionate about rehabilitation and especially for veterans as well. Uh, he asked me about awesome. it years ago. So I know that he's one guy that if I put you in chats, he would be yes. 100% on board with saying yes. I would love to talk to him. <clears throat> and I know that people who, other people who listen to your podcasts, so you never know who listens. Hmm. There'll be someone or maybe a few people who will jump back at you or comment, send you an email back or send me one hmm. saying, hey, I'd love to help. Um, I've got a boat or I've got something or I know someone, you know, all of that helps, helps yeah. so much. So uh, feel free for those people who are listening who've got some ideas to to join the tribe. Come and talk to us. Yeah, get involved. Hashtag get, get involved. involved. <laughs> get involved. Make a difference. That's a good yeah. hashtag I use a lot. Make a difference. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's mm. it's difficult to comprehend how much of a difference you're making on so many different levels. It's marvelous. Mm. So what's it the is. what's the what's the big picture for for um, the scuba gym in Australia? Then what's the have you got an end goal or are you just you're going to stay? Um, Sorry, go on. I've got um, I've got a few people. I've got a lot of people who who get in touch and say, "Have you got a scuba gym in Melbourne? Have you got one in Adelaide? Have you got one?" I, I would love to have one in every big city because, as I said, there's a need for this sort of work, um, and there's an opportunity for the right sort of people to to take on this project because it does. It's not. It's not a scuba. It's not a scuba school and a scuba shop as per what we know. Mm. It's it's a very different mentality and a different type of qualification, um, if that's the right word, that we would be looking for. Um, not to say that you haven't got your own stuff to bring in and, and help with uh, the scuba gym. There's definitely that as well. Um, so the three programs we run are therapy, scuba camps, and also the scuba warrior program. Scuba Warrior Program, we could certainly share across Australia uh, with a bit of work to help people understand what's involved in that. Again, it's not about selling our veterans gear because that's not, it's not, that's one of the problems I find with this, the whole scuba industry is you get on a cheap course, costs 150 bucks and you get qualified and then the way to make the money is to pack people on yeah. and sell them gear. Yeah. That's not, that's not how it works. Yeah. It's and, a, it's and a we know dog, that. dog shit model, quite frankly. It's a terrible model. Yeah. It's horrible. So that's not the sort of people I would like to have involved in what what we do. It's a different type of um, different type of person mm. and bigger picture, more sees sees understands and sees the holistic side of life that we do. Yeah. And wants to bring their own magic to that as well would would be super cool. And there's a couple of people I know already who have reached out, and it's just a matter of time before we can we can set up. Um, scuba gyms across Australia. It, it is going to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, we are also working on a, a very special pool because we don't have a very special pool up here on the coast, which we need. Mm. Um, so we're working with members of parliament to help us uh, get somewhere with that so we can have a hub for the scuba gym here on the central coast and then take it out there. And the more people who help the veterans, you know, if it's not a, if it's not our program, there's, there's other ways we can they can be involved. So... Mm. Um, it's really about changing people, maybe inspiring people to change the way that they think about what they do mm. um, and and maybe take the focus off of the money side of it and making selling the gear and focusing more on, on the people and the bringing the tribe together, especially after what we've all just 
been through. Yeah. I think it's a great time to have a to step back and go, hang on a minute, let's let's start again. Let's change the way we do this and and focus on the the people and helping each other. Very much of a tribal way of looking at life mm. um, and and sharing and not being afraid to share. Not that's really important as I've found in what we do. And, and the, the more that you give, the more you get, I swear to God, there's so many examples. I get given stuff all the time, not just secondhand wetsuits from veterans and old masks that are really should be in a museum. <laughs> they always, I just love it when they send me this stuff. It's amazing. Um, but I, you know, I, the boat, David lets me use his boat. He drives it. I don't, and, yeah. but it doesn't, doesn't cost me anything. It's just such an amazing human just being able to do that. And more people send me wetsuits, brand new ones. I got nine the other day. Wow. Where have they come from? I know, right? <laughs> from, from T, TWS Hire, my friends who, they've become friends because they heard about what I do and they were, he is a professional water skier, mm. the guy who runs the company. And he said to me, how can I help? And I said, well, really? And he goes, yeah, I'm, I'm connected to wetsuit manufacturers because of the work I do. Would yeah. that help? And I said, hell yeah. So Trojan Ski, Trojan Skis, Dive and something else, they got us the suits, but it was paid for by TWS Hire. Mm. And they arrived on my doorstep the other day. Nine beautiful suits. Awesome. Lovely so, stuff. So, you know, and... David was incredible, incredibly generous to begin with. So he set the model, and he flew out at his own expense to train me up. Yeah. So, so what an amazing man. What about? Um, I'm just thinking because it, it's, it's. I think it's something that the majority of people that are listening to this podcast would want to do. Um, my my only fear would be, how, how do you? If I if I was to start up a, a scuba gym in in Sydney. Um, you know, how would I be able to support my fund and my finances doing the scuba gym? Is there any kind of support coming from the government because of what you're doing? So if somebody wanted to start a scuba gym, they would have to come to me because I have the license for Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, so we would work, uh, we would work together to ensure the success of their scuba gym uh, and how we get funded. Um, so we are a not-for-profit now. Yep. We which is exciting. This is our first year of being a not-for-profit. And um, we have now got more access to grants. It doesn't mean to say we're going to get them, but yeah. because we're a not-for-profit, it means that we've got more chance of getting them than we were as a for-profit company. So, it, honestly, if people want to start a scuba gym, it's about getting in touch with me and we can make it happen. I can show you how um, we can start generating more an income for you. It's not going to be massive to begin with because it takes mm. time. Yeah, yeah, um, for but sure. The more that we, the more that we get out there, so we're working slowly. It's taken a while, but slowly but surely, we're getting into Royal Rehab, which is the uh, spinal injuries hospital in in Ride. Okay, that's taken a long time. Yeah, but to have that, so somebody you don't want to. It's it's better that we work together as a team. Yeah. to build to build the scuba gym across Australia. Um, and so, yeah, if people are listening and they want to get involved, come and volunteer. Come um, be a member of the team, jump in, have a conversation. It may not be what you like. Yeah. It may be too confronting. It might be too, whoa, um, they got <laughs> catheters and things. I'm not sure I like that. Okay, yeah. then don't do it. That's not your gig. It's not. You're not in any trouble. Um, but then we have people who find out what we do and just one gentleman has just retired. He's never going to dive again. He just brought me all his gear. Yeah. 
called the train out from Sydney and brought me all his gear. I'm like, really? <laughs> Thank you. And it's in great nick. I was going to get it serviced, but the guy, my technician who services all my gear said, I took it, some of it apart and could see that it's actually been done recently. I'm not going to take it apart. Yeah. It doesn't need it. Yeah. So other people, I mean, there's so many. One People find out what we do. One gentleman went on, got a whole bunch of people to volunteer their gear that they were selling online to give it, give it away. Like, and he rings me up. He goes, I've got two crates of gear for you. What? <laughs> Is your, is, your, is your house big enough for all this? <laughs> well, yeah, that's, you know, and to begin with, when starting this model off where it's not selling gear and it's not an instant money spinner mm. was hard, was really hard, um, but it paid off and yeah. it's beginning to pay off more as we are able to help people again and this craziness subsides that we've been through. People are coming out again and going, okay. Let's take another look at life. I mean, the clients that are coming coming back out again, um, especially the very vulnerable, which is great because it's, mm. you know it, it's time to move on and it's time to 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 get back out there and live life, and not be scared anymore. Yeah. Uh, well, that's uh, I know it's easy for an able-bodied person who's fit and healthy to say that. At the same time, surely these last couple of years is just that for most people. Like, really, come on, we've wasted so much time it's time to get out and live again yeah yeah that's weird i mean it's one thing it's the price the priceless thing in life isn't it time you know once it's yes. gone you're never going to get it back plain and no, simple that's right just got to make the most and, of it and the people who who have been and gone and and gone backwards in their therapy will know that firsthand yeah they will know and that's the sad part yeah. um so it's it's really now a good time to to say well actually hang on we're underwater for god's sake Hmm. let's get underwater again <laughs> let's go exercise let's be in that world let's be part of the tribe let's learn let's be living out of our comfort zones that's where the fruit of life is outside of your comfort zone we yeah. know that outside of your comfort zone and in a good a good community in a great community absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah for sure happy days right then linda linda lindy, lindy. i always say linda i don't know why um, it's been Sorry. an absolute pleasure talking to you, and um, I want you to keep me posted on, you know, when I can come up, because I'd love to come up and, and help out. Um, I might be a dribbling wreck. Uh, I can imagine it's quite emotional at the side of the pool, but um, yeah, yes. I'd love to. I'd love you to join us. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. Yeah. Yay, for sure. Happy days. Um, okay, well, we're going to sign off for now. Um, as Lindy said earlier on, anyone who wants to get in touch with Lindy can do through the show. Uh, I'll put a load of links in the in the show notes, and um, I think we can find space on the the homepage on Scuba Goat Podcast to uh, slap up the Scuba Gym there for a, a hyperlink over to your website. No problem at all. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and look forward to meeting more like minded people. Lovely stuff, Lindy. Absolute pleasure. I'll speak Thanks, to you soon. Thanks, buddy. Bye speak for to now, soon. everybody. Bye. Is Scuba Goat Under the Sea? The podcast for the inquisitive diver.